Welcome to Eye on the Illini. This is the 2023 Illini football season in review, part due. We will be having uh, Steve Sturm and Brad Sturdy talk a little bit about what they thought of last season. Very similar style to what we did with Matt and Ked in part one. We hope you enjoy it, and we will be back in one minute with Steve and Brad. Are you tired of your friends and family members being the center of attention? Always the life of the party? Always the one who knows something no one else does? Then change the game with IlliniGuys.com. Insider info on your favorite teams. Analysis on the latest games. Weekly chats with coaches. You take control of the room with IlliniGuys.com. Regular updates from the experts put you courtside and in the locker room. But wait, there's more. Act now and get this free Illini Guys sweatshirt. Comfortable. Stylish. Tell the world, I'm an Illini guy and you're not. Don't delay. This is a limited time offer. Go to IlliniGuys.com, click the Black Friday button, and you are on your way to cool guy status. Feature articles, game analysis, members-only message boards with insider info, plus the cool sweatshirt, all yours. May they never ignore you again. Thanks to IlliniGuys.com. Sign up today. And as promised, this is Mike Kegley here with Brad Sturdy and Steve Sturm. We are going to talk about the 2023 Illini football season in review. This is part two. Of course, most of you probably listened with bated breath to Matt, Ked, and myself talk a little bit about this same subject. Now we're going to get some different thoughts and maybe some different angles and viewpoints from Mr. Sturdy and Mr. Sturm. I like to get all the S people together. I guess I didn't because Matt Stevens got stuck with Ked. So I don't even understand that. So here we are five and seven season. A lot of Illinois fans had hoped to to do as well as maybe eight and four. We saw uh, coach Bielema before the season say that they could beat anybody on their schedule and they could lose to anybody on their schedule. This is probably the epitome of what that kind of season can look like. The Illini play eight, one score games, go five and three, they, 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 you can't say luck was against them, but at the same time, a, a season that a bowl was really needed to help keep things moving forward, they came up short, and it was a season that that ultimately was, uh, you know, very frustrating for many Illini fans, and we can even assume for Brett Bielma, looking at some of his uh, reactions, facial expressions, and post game conferences. Brad, when we look at the offense, this was an offense that started off that was had its moments of, you know, starts the game well, not much happens, rest of the game, closes the game out well, has these weird times where it doesn't score. And then by the uh, middle part of the season, they start at least doing a little bit more from an offensive standpoint. And then John Paddock gets in there, has really good games you know, even a close game with Iowa, maybe not a huge productive game. What were your thoughts on this offense and how the heck did you look at this? Because it was a little bit like a, somebody with uh, multiple personalities. Well, I, I thought the offense got better as the year went on. I mean, I thought they started off a little slow. I, I And I think it's impressive due to the number of injuries they had to their running backs and a team that wants to run the ball as much as they do. I, I think it's impressive that they were, they got better offensively. Um, but I, I do think they, they missed a lot of opportunities on offense, um, whether it's just a, a play, a, they didn't, a catch, they didn't make whatever it was. 
just had a lot of opportunities to maybe make plays they didn't didn't especially like at crunch time now you look at the first game of the year against Toledo it's one big play it's and then at the end of the Minnesota games two the big plays but then down the stretch they couldn't make those plays against Iowa and against Northwestern and and so that's where you I don't know there is such a fine line I mean offensively you look at their their offensive stats and they were right in the middle of the pack of everything thus you're 500 right I mean you're five and seven or six and six or seven and five that's where they were and I think that's where they slotted my impressions on the season were that um I mean five and seven was just about the true result that we had and um, I feel like uh, our offense um, actually improved through the year. Obviously, I think we're all that, uh, all aware of that. Um, our defense improved through the year as well. However, I thought that we were just really far behind going into the season. I felt like the coaches had just a little bit, perhaps, an overconfidence problem in relying on some players that they thought would develop, and and they weren't ready. Um, I, I saw a few parts of the plan that just were not up to snuff, including Aaron Henry's ability to not only. Um, call plays during the game, but also to adjust during the game. Um, that was a troubling trend that I saw through the season. I, I finally in the Northwestern game was the first game we saw without guys holding up their hands, looking at the sideline half the time as the snap occurred uh, on F, on offense. I wasn't impressed uh, with a couple of their plans. The game plans were okay, but I thought as far as the personnel planning, um, they had, again, a little bit too much confidence, for instance, especially in Zy Chrysler being able to play tackle. Um, that, that was just a bad gamble right from the start. Perhaps they were counting on Desmond Schuster to provide competition for him or not. Um, but either way, starting the season with Zy Chrysler at uh, right tackle and expecting Isaiah uh, Adams to take that mantle if, he didn't wor- if it didn't work out was just a bad plan. So that's my take on it. Five and seven was, was where we deserved to be. Um, we're kind of lucky to get there, in my opinion. So, yes, the yardage, um, you know, the yardage totals might indicate that we were a little bit better than that. And I feel like talent-wise, we were a little bit better than that. However, I felt like the coaches uh, let us down. Good, good. When it came to the offense, Brad, anybody that jumps out as you, like you, you would say, boy, that really was a key contributor or a player that you didn't see coming uh, this season uh, on offense and – and I think this is going to be the easy question after you're done with that, but who would you put as your MVP of the offense? I don't think that's going to be a hard one to predict. Well, I mean, I, I thought uh, obviously Isaiah Williams had a, had a, had a really good season at, at wide receiver. I thought, um, and even he left some plays on the, but most of his issues were more in the return game than yes. they were at wide receiver. So I thought it was wide receiver. He did a fantastic job. He's able to create separation in short spaces. He's able to make, um, some, you know, and because of his quickness. So I thought he was great. I thought obviously John Paddock stepping up uh, in with the injury, having a backup quarterback that's that old and veteran really helped Illinois, um, you know, with a couple wins there. And, you know, but uh, yeah, I would say my surprise guy was, and I thought Pat Bryant made huge strides and he's still not there yet. But you're the reason that so many people right now are tampering with him and trying to get him through the transfer portal is because they see the potential. This kid's going to be really good next year. I think he's going to be a, a really a dynamite receiver on the outside. Well, my guy, my MVP is uh, somebody, my buddies are going to be laughing when they hear this uh, because I've been touting him for years, actually, Casey Washington. I'm, I've been Casey Washington's biggest fan all along, and it was really, really great to see him um, you know, just kind of come to prominence down the stretch there, um, especially in the Northwestern game, obviously the game of his life. 
Um, but I've, I have loved him as a clutch guy all, all this year. Um, and he's not the best athlete, you know, but he, he just, he battles. He's a great blocker. You know, he's a, he's a combat catch guy. He always has been. Um, and I think, you know, when you consider a special teams value, I think he's going to, he's got a chance to actually make it in the NFL with outside chance. Um, my, my surprise guy and people might not consider it to be a surprise, but I was particularly surprised is Caden Fagan. Um, coming from two A football, where he, I mean, when you look at his videos, he just looks like a big kid that just got handed the ball and has never played football before. Um, against the Southern Illinois two A competition, he's just running over guys, but you know, without any sort of uh, plan or uh, uh, ball security or anything like that. I think I pointed out several times that he's carrying the ball, um, you know, like he doesn't even care. You know, and that if I was the opponent, I would probably just attack the ball every time because I'd have no chance to actually tackle him. But he looked, he'd matured so much as a player. Um, I didn't expect that he was going to be able to get on the field uh, this year, much less perform, you know, step right in and perform at a high level, you know, um, as soon as we, he was called upon. So. Yeah. Any, any guys, uh, Brad uh, or Steve, any guys that you were, were disappointed in the performance this year, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean they won't come back and be a huge contributor next year, but um, any, anybody that let you down in terms of what your expectations were, Brad? I think the offensive line let me down because <laughs> I, I didn't think they were good, but I don't think it was all their fault. Um, I also think there's some guys who maybe didn't get an opportunity that I thought should have gotten more opportunities. And I, you know, I, I look at a guy like, um, you know, there has to be situational awareness. Um, you know, Aiden Lawfrey, it has that big play ability, and we just didn't find a way to use him in that situation. And I thought they could have used him better. I thought they could have used guys like Hank Beatty better um, off the bench, maybe an Ashton Hollins or uh, Canary Wiltshire as well. I think those guys have some abilities that maybe c- could really translate. But I, I thought overall, I think guys performed. I, I will say this. I, I thought, you know, and this is Gomek Steve, the the key for me, I agreed with you completely on Caden Fagan until I watched him live. When you watched him live and you saw him actually run, it was like, holy crap. This dude's like, he's different than I thought. I thought he was just a big kid lumbering over people. But then when you, I watched him live, I went, oh, my. This kid's got some game. And so that was why. Uh, so he was kind of a surprise. I think he's going to be really good. Well, um, I my disappointment uh, is the guy that he's kind of sort of replaced, and that's Josh McCray. You know, we, we kind of thought, I think everybody thought that Josh McCray, when he burst on the scene as a true freshman, uh, was going to be something special. You know, not just a, a starter at Illinois, but perhaps, a you know, a guy who could make it into the NFL. But uh, obviously the health has been a problem. But even above and beyond that, we've got a problem with um, his ability when he plays. Like the last two years, when he's gotten on the field, you see a burst here and there, but he doesn't look confident um, and he doesn't look, hmm, how else do I say this? He doesn't, he does not look like he's ready to play football when he's out there, except for maybe a couple reps here and there. So that's been a great disappointment. Um, Cy Chrysler, um, I I mean, the staff must really love him, but um, obviously, you know, when he started out at right tackle, that was a disaster. Um, And then they moved him into guard and he did better, but even his performance at guard was no better than last year. And of course you you hope that a guy in the second year in the program is going to make a big leap and he did not. In his defense, you know, trying to play two different positions, maybe that slowed down the development a little bit, but you see linemen do that quite often. So hard to know on that one. 
I will say that with Josh McCray, I, I, I wonder next year, you know, if they can get him feeling comfortable. Cause you're right. There was in particular this year, there was an 11 yard carry where he ran over like three people. And I thought he's back. And, and then, you know, not, not too much later, he gets hurt again. And, and look, players get hurt and it's not the player's fault, but it, it next year he needs that confidence back because they could have a thunder and thunder backfield instead of the thunder and lightning backfield. Um, but boy, that would be a, a nice backfield to have the, that along with, uh, you know, along with Lowry and, and potentially even Valentine coming in who looks really, really holy good. cow, does he look good on tape? Yeah, so, and he's, yes. I mean, we're gonna you're gonna have to limit his carries next year, but especially with Reggie Love leaving. Oh my gosh, Leo yeah, Valentine. yeah. And I, and and really we're not trying good. to be just yeah. for fans. We're not trying to denigrate Reggie Love, excellent player. But Valentine will be here, and you can only play with the guys that are on the team. So we got to start thinking about who's available and and what they can do. Yeah. Uh, flipping over to the defensive side, Brad. Now this is the one that uh, it, it was frustrating. Unfortunately, Illinois couldn't play Iowa every week or Iowa's offense every week. Everybody wants to play their offense. Nobody wants to play against their defense. <laughs> yeah, not not much. Their defense wasn't very fun, but their offense was really entertaining for to play against. Um, you know, what were your thoughts on this defense? Because we all know who the MVP of the defense is, Johnny Newton. And I don't I'm not trying to, you know, downgrade what he did because it was amazing. I thought Keith Randolph played on one leg as best he could. Um, but there were days that when watching in the press box, you could tell he couldn't plant and get a lot of momentum. And playing on one leg is tough for a defensive lineman. I thought the defensive backs reminded me of what Florida and LSU have. They have some guys with some physical talent, but most of them were either inexperienced, freshmen, or both. The defense was frustrating. What were your thoughts on the defense, Brad? Because this is where, you know, we can where I see Illini fans getting more colorful. I, I think the biggest problem on the defense was, I mean, obviously you had Johnny Newton. Johnny Newton's fantastic. Um, great player, one of the best defensive linemen in Illinois history. But here was the here's my issue with the defense. They never figured out who they were. Whether it was a zone team, a man team, a you know, alternate, whatever, a blitzing team, a non-blitzing team, rush three, drop eight, rush four, drop seven, whatever. They had no idea what an identity, what their identity was. They're going to come after the quarterback. They sit back in coverage. They're going to attack them, whatever they're going to do. And, and they didn't have the personnel to play the way I think that Aaron Henry wanted to play. So he was always like trying to figure it out. The back end of the defense, um, was not good. I mean, there's no other way to put it. The safeties, cornerbacks, but they oftentimes put them in difficult situations as well. And and I think they're young guys. They're figuring it out. They'll they'll get better now that they've learned. But I thought that they got, you know, the the middle there uh, got better. You know, the middle linebackers got better. I thought Keith Randolph wasn't healthy. That hurt them a lot. I think, um, you know, obviously I thought Seth Coleman had a great, great season he did some really good things um Gabe Akas maybe wasn't quite as good as I thought um he could have been and, and I, sometimes but sometimes that's that uh, confusion too because they were dropping him in coverage so much yeah. because they would change the way they're doing it so there wasn't really any identity 
and, and I think that's where Aaron Henry has to figure it out. And I know that there were conversations with, between me and Brett Bielema about this. You know, we got to figure out what we are. And, and even Bielema talked about his postgame conference. And, and that's where young defensive coordinators or offense coordinators, whatever they are, they have to figure out what they are and what they want to do. And they have to match it to their personnel. And I think Aaron Henry will figure it out. I think they'll be much better defensively next year on the back end. Now, can they replace Johnny Newton? No, but they have to find some, they're going to have to find three or four guys in the portal to kind of pick up some slack, but they should be better on the back end, which maybe will help on the front side. My take is similar to Brad's, although I, I got to say, I didn't, I wasn't down on our secondary's performance considering the injuries. Uh, you know, when we're down to our last scholarship safety, you know, in the last two games, you know, solo Turner's playing a lot, which I'm not down on solo Turner either. We actually, we actually had several good safeties, but you know, you're, when you're mixing and matching guys with different skill sets um, through, you know, for the last half of the season, because we just don't have any healthy safeties. Um, that's kind of a, that's a tough job. And then of course, Taz Nicholson, um, to me, he's an NFL player. Um he needs to come back and improve next year, but he's an NFL player eventually. So I'm not down on him. The other corner position, you would have liked to see somebody jump up and take that job. Zach Toby looks pretty good at times. Um, to me, he's more of a tweener. Um, we'll see if he can improve and, and become more of a pure corner down the line. I mean, obviously you got to like the guy's length and his toughness, but um, he's, going to have a tougher time if you expect him to cover across the field more instead of just like run up and down the sidelines like we've essentially had him do in the last uh, half of the season mm-hmm. so um so in, in any case i was not disappointed in the back end we just had some tough injuries and then of course you know we really had no depth on the line I mean, johnny newton's fantastic keith randolph is very good should be very good denzel daxon was a an incredible surprise in the middle uh, I didn't expect anything from him, but he was really playing above the the line. He he grabbed the starting job, and uh, and held it for the rest of the year. I mean, he looks. I mean, I hope we can get him back because I think he's an anchor next year. It'd be wonderful to have him back. Um, but the problem is we don't have any, anything behind that. I mean, when those guys left the field, it was just a huge, huge suck. Um, and of course, during that one game, we didn't have Newton. Uh, well, like whatever the ha- half of one game and half of the next game when we didn't have Newton, you could really tell the difference. And it's not just because Johnny Newton's great; it's because the guys behind him were bad. So, um, like I said, I-, I was disappointed in Aaron Henry, um, but aside from that, the players I think were about what I expected. I just uh, I just felt like we got some injury some injury difficulties that we couldn't overcome. There were an inordinate amount of injuries, you know, when when you have to deal with the the tailback issue, which I think I don't think Brett Bielma has ever seen. And he's got 15 years as a head coach. And then the safety issue, you know, it was it was pretty, pretty amazing that the amount of injuries there that hit and been very unfortunate that it hit in that that um, intensity. Um, The other thing, I guess, that comes up when we're talking about, um, you know, what's going on with the team, we we look at the special teams. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this. My impressions were somehow we need to have a returner who's a threat because if you just fair catch the ball, you end up a little bit like Lovey Smith's teams, but you also have to catch the ball. And then I also thought that while Hugh Robertson played well, 
um, one of the things that was frustrating is he would occasionally pull the uh, the ugly rabbit out of the hat, such as that the the poor punt against Iowa that set everything up in the end. Any quick thoughts on special teams, Brad? I think the biggest thing is special teams. I thought Hugh Robinson was good. I I, I really, except for occasionally in clutch times, it's like we need that punt. You know, I mean, it seemed like if you go back and you know in past, always had some really good punters that have done a good job with that. So. He would maybe he'll get and he has another year. I think he'll improve, but I, I thought their kicker was fine. I, I love and I love what they have coming in in David Alano. I think he's going to be really good. I think he's got a great leg, he's a really good kicker. Um, and, and so I, I like what they have. The biggest thing on the return game for me, I, I thought Canary Wilcher showed some burst. Um, I I just I think they just put the ball on the turf too much. I mean, you just can't put the ball on the ground, and if you can, you know. I'm, I'd love to have a playmaker making plays, but if I have to make one play and get four turnovers out of that, then it's not worth it to me, you know? So uh, I'd rather just, you know, make sure we have the ball uh, secure it. And then, you know, if you get seven yards, fine. Or if you have to fair catch it, fine, but you got to secure the ball. Well, I mean, you, you mentioned the Lovey Smith era, Mike. I mean, I, I got to go back to the Ron Zook era and how much of a disaster that was early on. If you're, <laughs> We ended up just having a guy fair catch it every single time just so we weren't dropping the ball over the place and i I hate to say this most people are just going to cuss as soon as they hear it kyle yelton was our punter one year and we had to you know switch to rugby punting from dewan warren and uh i mean it was just an absolute disaster so mentioning all that in context i will take what we had from the special teams this year um like brad said it is not worth it if you don't have ball security you know, you got to have that first. Um, but after that, I mean, you know, we had, we still had some dangerous returns, you know, we were able to, to uh, put pressure on the other, on the other team. Um, no great disasters aside. I mean, obviously the Northwestern game, we had those two back-to-back plays. Um, but aside from that, I wouldn't call our special teams bad. We just we got bad at a bad time. Um, you know, obviously we, I mean, that those two plays cost us the Northwestern game. There's no question about it. But uh, I'm hopeful for what we have going in the uh, in the future, though. I mean, Hugh Robertson is still above average in the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, you're you're right, Mike. He you know he pulled a stinker every now and then. Yep. Noticed also that he doesn't seem to have the best awareness either. Like, you, he could never tell you if there was if there were four guys that were just about to block that punt. He's just <laughs> yeah catch kick, and you know there's it's, I mean obviously we all remember the play with Blake Hayes where he didn't realize that there was nobody in front of him. And so he like stopped three, four times. You're not even getting that level of awareness from Hugh Robertson. He is just catch kick. So, well, that know. just means he can block out distractions. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's really good at focusing. Yes, I guess, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, but again, I haven't seen David Lano, um aside from his high school films and of course the kickoffs, but I, I, I really, I really, really thought he was worth a scholarship and I don't say that about every kicker. So sure. I have no problem, no qualms about what happened next year. Um, I think Hank Beatty, Hank Beatty is probably your punt returner. That's going to be his role. Um, and Canary Wilcher already is a, an above average return man on kickoff returns. So uh, I think we're looking pretty good there. Now I'm going to go switch up uh, real brief on coaching thoughts. You know, we've kind of talked about Aaron Henry. Any thoughts in your mind about um, Barry Lenny Jr., who I thought actually had a pretty good season? or uh, Brett Bielma over the top of things because fans are talking about that. And I, 
Look, I'm the first guy to tell you, Brett Bielma is not the the second coming of Nick Saban. At the same time, I have a hard time as a long-suffering Illini fan looking at what Bielma's done in the first three years and saying it's time for him to go. Now, are there opportunities to get better? There certainly are. But, Brad, what are your thoughts? Because, you know, you as a longtime coach who wins state titles and athletic director who's got to hire coaches – how, how do you look at this Brett Bielma and then Barry Lunny? How do you look at those two guys when you evaluate them? Well, I, I thought Brett Bielma is, he's the best coach Illinois has had since Makovic, probably. I mean, and I say that not saying the other guys are bad, but I, well, maybe they are, but I mean, so, <laughs> but I, but I mean, he's that. So the thing about Bielema is I, I think the, my, my concern with him was, and I think he learned from it. He's a little bit overconfident. I think he was a little bit overconfident coming into the season. I really think he thought he was better than he was. And he thought, well, you know, I can just out coach. And I think it started last off season when he turned down some people in the portal that he could have probably gotten that could have helped this year. And he said, you know what, we're just going to coach our guys up. We're going to be fine. You know? And, and I think that was his thing. I thought Barry Lenny jr. Had a fantastic season. I really do. I think you've got a quarterback who's never played before in Luke Altmeyer, and you, and you, he was the best quarterback in the West big 10 West this year and, and then he gets hurt and you're able to put John Paddock in and they changed the scheme a little bit because Altmaier is much more mobile than Paddock and Paddock is little and can't mo- really move and he can't throw on the move very well so you couldn't roll him out had to change the way they did things I thought he had a great year and that offense really improved so I was very high on Barry Lenny I'm very I'm glad that uh, Jeff Trailer did not get the Texas A&M job because then probably Barry Lenny would be at Texas A&M. So I'm glad that didn't happen because now Barry Lenny can get some continuity with Luke Altmeyer and that crew heading into this season. I, I really like him as an offensive coordinator. Um, and then, you know, I, I think Brett Bielema learned. I think he's going to do a better job this offseason of filling those holes. I think they're going to turn a cup that you're going to see them add some guys in the portal that will fill those holes that they need. Well, um, I, I think Brad might've been listening to my last podcast. Cause I think I went off quite a little bit about Brett Bielema and his overconfidence. Um, I, I felt the same way. Actually, I talked with Brad Stevens about this a couple of times early on, even before this year, how we were getting kind of a Ron Turner feel, you know, from uh, Brett Bielema. And I think, I'm not sure if everybody knows the story, but um, after the sugar bowl loss, you know, but after that season, you know, where Illinois kind of reached, uh, you know, a higher level in um, Ron Turner's third year. Was that his third year? Mm-hmm. You know, we, he got, he'd reached a higher level um, with a very senior laden team. And then he famously told people like he didn't need to recruit anymore for that year because, yeah. you know, he was confident in everybody that he had and everybody's like, you don't want to take advantage of your, you know, prominence right now, your top 10 team. No, nope, I can coach him up. And then he proceeded to, you know, take some very, very mediocre players over the next couple of years with the extreme confidence that, you know, he could turn in, you know, I was going to use the old chicken metaphor, um, but I'm not going to do that on your airways, Mike, but I think chicken, you can take, he can take a chicken doo-doo and turn it into chicken salad, but it didn't yes. work out that way. Did it? Yeah. Now, and I'm not down on Bielema's recruiting. I don't think it's quite that bad, but I mean, the parallels of, uh, you know, him basically, you know, filling up his recruiting class in June and July, you know, and then just kind of sitting back. Uh, that's exactly what Turner did. Um, and I really, really felt like going into this year that he had some mediocre second string players 
that uh, he was counting on to improve because he can turn anything, you know, turn these guys into into quality Big Ten players, and that is not what happened. So uh, honestly, I, I'm I'm not as big on Barry Lunny as Brad is. I think he's a, a quality coordinator, and and the complaints against him that people have are more based on Bielema's desire to have a a, a conservative offense, which I, I'm not against that either. Uh, but uh, at the same time. It, Barry Lenny was not the problem. I feel like this this one came from the top. You know, uh, I really feel like they expected to be able to just kind of walk to eight wins without any problem this year, and obviously that is not what happened. Here's the question that that I don't see a lot of difference from most Illini uh, followers, but when we take a look at the individual schedule, you go through the games. As you look at it. Do you see a turning point? Do you see a, a a game or two or three or whatever that makes you just, you know, that was when the red light went off and and you knew that, boy, this was going to not be maybe the year we thought it was going to be. Brad? Well, I just look at two games, Purdue and Nebraska. At Purdue and Nebraska. Purdue and Nebraska, both not very good teams that Illinois should have been able to compete with and beat. They didn't even compete with Purdue. Yeah. In the second half, they came out and just were awful. Uh, Nebraska, they scored seven points, which not great, but they, they were just terrible against Nebraska. That team didn't have any energy, any life. Now, I will say, like a lot of people would say Wisconsin was a bad loss, but I kind of look at it with Newton being out in that fourth quarter. I, I kind of give them a pass because then I think Minnesota is kind of miracle win. I'm going to be honest. So yeah. if you flip those, you're kind of in the same boat. Right. But I think they had to win. Purdue or Nebraska. It's like last year. They needed to beat Purdue or Michigan State. It wasn't the Michigan loss, although it was heartbreaking that killed them. It was the losses to Purdue and Michigan State at home last year that really hurt them and took them out of Big Ten uh, West title contention. So those are the games I look at. And you have to win those games because Illinois gets – you look at next year, they probably got eight toss-up games. One game I feel like they can win maybe on a special day. And then three, they're not going to win. So if you go four and four in your toss-up games, you're going to be four and eight. You know, so you got to go six and two in those toss up games and maybe steal one at seven and five is probably best case scenario, literally. So, yeah, that's why I look at they have to do. Well, I can honestly say that uh, as I'm sitting there in the stands for the Toledo game, I was already, I was already of a mind of like, oh, I, I had that sinking feeling of, oh, this is going to be a bad one. This, this year is, is not going to be what we hope it is. Um, obviously, we pulled that one out thanks to Casey Washington, my guy. But, uh, um, I think I talked his, you know, everybody's ear off for the next week based just based on that one. But anyway, um, I felt like, uh, you know, Toledo obviously was a better team than I anticipated them being, but at the same time, I was watching us get beat schematically through that game. I was watching several players, including Zy Chrysler. Um, but I mean, I don't want to pick on him because I mean, really we got beat kind of across the board in the lines. Um, I, I was watching guys get beat, you know, who were in new roles several of them. Um, I was watching, um, I was watching a defense that, that did not react and did not adjust to the same power is same old counter trade power running game. Um, that Toledo was just running over us with. I was watching Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph just absolutely gassed. They were not in football shape along with several players on our team for that game. So, um, like I said, I, I I was just sitting in the sands watching that game, and I was like, oh, this is another 5.5 win year. You know, and, Illinois, and knowing Illinois, we're going to be on the wrong side of it. Um, 
then later on the the Purdue game in the second half, like like you guys said, I mean we just ceased to be competitive in that point, and um, and I was feeling like my worries were confirmed that we had a real lack of of leadership both in the coaching staff and in the um, the players as well. The Purdue game was unbelievable. Um, the second half was as bad a football as as Illini fans have had to see, and you know probably going back to the. 63 to nothing Iowa game um because it was just brutal even even like at least Virginia a couple of years back you know you could look back and say well Virginia had a really good offense but Purdue you're like they got a really good guy who cuts their grass I don't know you know there was really not a lot that you could go back to and just watching them steamroll and then the Nebraska game that's what they have and then the Nebraska game I kept thinking to myself what happens if Illinois scores on that first drive because the team looked like it looked like they were very fragile after the Purdue game and then having it go bad at the start seemed to hit everybody from the head coach down to the, you know, the guy inside the tent seemed, everybody seemed down. So it was just a tough one there. It's the same thing. The Wisconsin game, something went wrong. We kind of fell apart at the end, you know, Nebraska game early on, something went wrong. We kind of fell apart. So, that's that's on the the grown-ups on the sideline and yep. you'd like to have players who can lead you through that stuff too but um even if it's not on the grown-ups on the sideline to lead them through that it's on the grown-ups on the sideline to find the guys on the field who can lead them through that stuff yeah that's fair <clears throat> so now the tough part comes need an overall season grade from you we did this with uh matt and ked ked was the uh the nice grader and Matt was the I don't use no stinking curve. So um, <laughs> Brad is an educator is much more attuned to this than most people are. Well, where do we where where do you guys put this season now that we've we've had a little distance to kind of calm down and and take a look at it from more of a cold calculation? Where do you rank this from A, well, to, a to F? Yeah, so I I would have if you'd asked me on Saturday or Sunday of last week. I had to give it an F. I would have, because yep. I was thinking it was a failure. But as you kind of look into it, improvement in this in the college football world is not always linear. It doesn't immediately go five wins to six wins to seven wins. I think last year they kind of, you know, they had a burst, and I think they're better. I think we've seen – I think this is a growth year. I'm going to give it like a C-minus, D-plus range right in there. I don't think it's a complete failure because I ex- – it's weird though. How can you say when you go into a season and you ex- your goal is like six and six or seven and five, you go five and seven. I mean, obviously you're going in, you don't have expectations. I mean, if Michigan went five and seven, that's a complete and utter failure. Right. If somebody like that. I mean, but when Illinois does it, it's like, okay, that's right where they probably slot. Maybe they <laughs> could have been six and six, seven and five. But I mean, so I look at that as maybe not the best grade. Last year I would have given them a B, B plus. This year I'm looking at giving them a you know a, a C minus D plus, but I think next year they have a chance if they go six and six or seven and five next year, I'm probably going to give them a higher grade, so like almost an A because the schedule is so much tougher. Well, I'm I'm going with a straight D. Uh, it was not a disaster. It was you know it certainly could have been worse. We've seen teams completely fall apart in these circumstances, um, and they held it together and were competitive at the end. Uh, but at the same time, this this was a bowl team. This is a bowl team on the field. This is a bowl team talent-wise, and they didn't get there. And uh, they, like as Brad mentioned earlier, 
you could argue that they were lucky even get to five wins. You know, I mean, we had a bad break against Wisconsin, but we had a miracle win against Minnesota. We pulled one out against a, a not very good Indiana team. Um, I mean, really, true talent wise, this was a, this this ended up being a a five or this was a six win team, a seven win team that ended up with five wins. So I'm giving them a D. Um, I will say, you know, as hard as I've been on the coaches here, um, I feel like, you know, cultures and leadership groups can change year by year pretty quickly. You know, we've seen it happen in college sports quite a bit. Um, so I, I don't think, you know, Illini fans should burn all their stuff and sell their season tickets for next year or not renew their season tickets for next year. They're, it's not necessarily going to be the same situation for us next year. So um, it's kind of a reset, which we needed, which hopefully Coach Bielema will take action to, uh, to adjust. But um, I can't imagine that he hasn't he hasn't realized that there's something he needs to do differently to to prevent this from happening again. He already kind of got a hot start and went down the tubes at Arkansas, and I imagine he knows that uh, he can't have that. He's not going to get another uh, another job like this if this happens here at Illinois again. So um, I don't know what it'll be. He he famously does not like to fire his coaches, but I imagine that something's going to change. You know, and I think it's interesting that that Brett Bielema is taking the role of uh, calm down that Brian Bosworth had in the uh, Dr. Pepper commercials. So uh, that that Bielema probably get a kick out of uh, being connected with Brian Bosworth there. Um, I do think it's a, it is interesting to me, though, that that, you know, I think a combination of what both you guys say, uh, it, coaching is not a linear. You don't go up incrementally every year. Um, the best example I could think of that is when the Cowboys, you know, they, they were really supposed to be one year away when Aikman and, and, uh, Emmett and, and company went into San Francisco and, and they won on San Francisco's turf to go to the, you know, to go to the Super Bowl and, uh, um, you know, in 1992 and win it probably a year earlier than everybody thought. Um, and I look at this team, you know, the progression is probably not going to be straight line, but Brett Bielema is not going to want to go backwards. And next year is going to make that really hard. And I do think if the fans give up with the guy who's had the best three seasons since the early 90s, that puts you into a really weird place as a fan. And And to be honest, prospective coaches looking at this will look at that as well. I, I I really wonder with what was going on at um, James Madison, why that coach would go to Indiana other than the huge paycheck. Cause he was in a position where he was, you know, taking a team and, and like he was becoming a legend and, and probably another year might be able to get a bigger job. And he goes to Indiana where again, Indiana is kind of the death knell for coaches. And I, I can answer that. It's because the new big two, little two, you yeah. know, now it's not just a matter of getting a high major job, you know, a big 10 job or an sec job is something you just don't turn down anymore. And you're right, Mike. I mean, he probably would have had another great year at James Madison next year and might've gotten a better job even than Indiana. But I think it's, it's the point now where you get a big 10 or an sec job, you, you have to take it, which of course is good news for us. Yeah. We'll always have a coach at least. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Well, hey, gentlemen, thanks for uh, taking the time to talk this over. 
And uh, folks, we will have this, uh, you're listening to this, and hopefully you can, if you haven't listened to part one, please go ahead and listen. But we will be back in one moment after these commercials. Are you looking to grow your business? Do that with the Illini Guys radio network by advertising on the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular. The weekly two-hour syndicated show airs on more than 20 stations and is heard in six states throughout the Midwest, including Chicago, St. Louis, the Quad Cities, Peoria, Bloomington, Springfield, Champaign, Decatur, Rockford, and Quincy, just to name a few, with a reach of more than 11 million people. For information, send an email to mike at IlliniGuys.com and let's work together to grow your business. That's mike at I-L-L-I-N-I-G-U-Y-S.com and let the power and reach of the Illini Guys Network work for you. This is Mike Kegley thanking Steve and Brad for giving up part of their evening to talk with us about their thoughts on the season. As Illini fans, we hope you've enjoyed this and hopefully a little bit more than the overall season, although it is nice to see the Illini competitive in almost every game as opposed to some of the multiple blowouts that were uh, kind of a a signpost, a signature piece of prior coaching regimes. We're not seeing that so much right now. So keep listening to us. We are going to have coverage as Illinois – Basketball goes into some serious games with FIU, FAU and Tennessee. We'll be covering it from live, uh, you know, out in the road. Brad Sturdy will be there. We want to make sure you're uh, glued to us. So check your subscription to the podcast. And I'm telling you that as the basketball season goes on, it is a great place to have your Illini guys subscription because you will hear all of the stuff before it becomes stuff on Illini Guys message boards. We'd love to have you as a part of that. Go Illini. Fans of big sports radio and sports spectacular podcasts have a new home on the Chief Sports Network. Find your favorite programs and content all in one place by downloading the Chief Sports app in your mobile device. Created in South Carolina, the Chief Sports Network is the home of an expanding network of live and podcast format programming. It is also the home of one of the leading national college football podcasts, JC and Morgan, hosted by ESPN's Mike Morgan and 24-7 Sports' JC Sherbert. Download the Chief Sports app for free and find all of your favorite programming under one easy umbrella. Thanks to all of our markets for your loyal support of Big Sports Radio and our Sports Spectacular podcast, and we look forward to connecting with you anywhere in the world on the Chief Sports app.